Hebrews chapter 5, dear ones. As we continue our series in the book of Hebrews, and this series is entitled, Christ is Greater Than All. Christ is Greater Than All. And so let's read Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. May I ask you to grab your Bible. May I ask you to bring your Bible. May I ask you to engage God's word this morning. Lean forward in your hearts. Put your reading glasses on. Get a notebook out with a pen. God is going to speak to you right now. Get your ear as close as you can to his mouth. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles on a back table there. If you brought a guest and they don't have a Bible, it won't bother me at all. If you take a moment, just go to this back table and grab a a paperback Bible, uh, ESV. And if you don't have a Bible, your own Bible, keep it. That's your gift. You need to read the word. and, And you need to look at it and engage it. So let's engage it together, friends. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. About this, we have much to say. And it, it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, my great high priest, my advocate seated at your right hand, would you please, Father, pour out your spirit upon us, arrest hearts that are wandering, minds that are wandering. Lord, fill my mouth with your words. Lord God, as I preach your word, may I speak your word the way you want it spoken. Oh, Father, bring comprehension, bring illumination. Lord, may it it be your spirit that does your work through your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Does God's word affect you? Does God's word bring forth faith and maturity in your life? This is the question that God is asking us through this text this morning. You see, the author, the preacher of of the book of Hebrews, the author is a preacher. This is a sermon. This is a sermonic letter. And he's been preaching God's word powerfully. In chapters 1 and 2, he's been preaching about Jesus as the royal son of God. In chapter 3, he's talking about hearing God's voice and not hardening your heart. And he continues with this theme of Jesus as the royal son of God. And now he's preaching about Jesus Christ as the great high priest in chapter 4. In chapter 5. And right in the middle of his sermon. He stops. He pauses. Verse 11 of chapter 5. And he says, I've got more to say to you about Jesus, the great high priest. As a matter of fact, if you look in your Bibles, he'll pick back up his sermon on Jesus, the great high priest, after the order of Melchizedek in in chapter 7. But he says, I've got much to say to you in verse 11. But I can't. Because you're dull of hearing. You're dull of hearing. And hearing, dear friends, is very important in the book of Hebrews. 
We've already seen in chapters 2, 3, and 4 that the whole point is, listen, Jesus is greater, of, greater than all, therefore listen to him. Don't drift. Pay attention. Don't harden your hearts when you hear my voice. That's quoted three times already in the first four chapters of Hebrews. So hearing is important, and the preacher is preaching. He's preaching probably more passionately than I am right now. And in the midst of his sermon to this little congregation of Hebrew Christians that are on the stormy seas of persecution, he stops. And he says, I've got a lot more to say to you, but I can't say it yet because you're dull of hearing. You're dull of hearing. That word dull, that adjective dull, it has a range of meaning. The range of meaning is lazy negligent. When you take that adjective dull there in verse 11, combine it with the noun hearing, it can be translated dull of hearing. The New American Standard Version translates it slow to learn. The Hebrew Christians are slow to learn. They're dull of hearing. I think what that means, folks, is that the word is not affecting them. They're not in it. They're not leaning forward thinking about it. They're not giving themselves to it. If they were in a church meeting and they were listening to the sermon, they're slouched back in their seats, kind of half listening, not really reading. It has no effect on them. Do you find yourself there sometimes? Does this describe you sluggish, lazy, negligent? Do you sometimes feel like the Hebrew Christians? You're listening to God's word, but you're remaining largely unaffected by God's word. You used to be affected. You used to come excited. You used to come with your Bible. Your Bible was all marked up. You used to memorize the word. You used to meditate on the word. Man, you'd hear a sermon. You'd be fired up. You'd say, man, that was a great sermon. Even if it wasn't a great sermon. That was a great sermon. (laughs) Appreciate you guys lying to me every Sunday after the sermon. Oh, that was great. What was great about it? This is great. I love you too. And, and, and you took notes and you take notes and you go to, you go to Casavan over here and you're waiting in line because you gotta wait there about an hour and a half. And you're saying, man, let's talk about the sermon. And you're talking to people about the sermon. You're calling up folks in the middle of the week and say, could you believe that second point? But somehow, that's not where you're at right now. And the preacher, God, is preaching to you a message, and he's got much more to say to you, but he's going to pause right now. He's going to pause this week and next week, and he's going to get your attention and say, you're dull of hearing, and I need to address that in you. Now, what does dull of hearing mean? I was reading recently about loss of hearing, because dull of hearing equates to loss of hearing. And I was reading about this temporary loss of hearing. It's called conductive hearing loss. Conductive hearing loss. And the conductive hearing loss is temporary, and it kind of just creeps up on you. And and do you know what the common cause of conductive hearing loss is? A head cold. That's right, a head cold. You see, when you get a head cold, typically an infection comes into your body, and that infection then causes fluid to come into your ear, and it affects your middle ear. There's these little bones in your middle ear. And when your head fills up with fluid, these little bones in the middle ear can't vibrate like they normally do in the air. So you kind of get a stuffy head, and it feels like your head's in a big drum, and someone's talking to you, you're like, huh? Huh? What did you say? And usually accompanying that dullness of hearing by a head cold and the fluid in your head is that you're also sluggish and you're tired, and you say to yourself, you know what? 
you know what? Today's a good day to just take a day off from work. I'm going to call in sick. I'm going to watch my favorite movie and lay in bed and feel sorry for myself and not do anything. It kind of feels kind of good, right? You kind of look forward to it, don't you? You know, I'm just going to veg. Well, sadly, that's what the Hebrew Christians were doing. They had a spiritual head cold. And the infection was sin. And the spiritual head cold and the sin infection was filling their head with the fluid of unbelief. And they weren't hearing anymore properly. And the preacher can't keep preaching until he addresses and he knocks that out of their head in grace. And he says, guys, we've got to deal with this spiritual head cold. And friend, if you're here this morning as well, and maybe you've got a spiritual head cold. And, and, and maybe you used to be able to hear clearly, but somehow the infection of sin has caused the fluid of unbelief to fill your head. And you can't hear God's word. It simply doesn't affect you like it used to. You can somehow hear it and walk away unaffected. God wants to get your attention this morning. And next week, a two-week pause in, in, in this sermon on Jesus. He's going to get back to Jesus, the great high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, but he wants to get your attention this morning. See, the burden of this text is there's an antibiotic for the spiritual infection that fills your head with the fluid of unbelief, and that is Jesus Christ. So that the application of this very Christ, whom he has much more to say to you about, is the one that will cause that infection to cease and the fluid of unbelief to drain so you can hear again. And hear clearly. And God's word will affect you. Listen, I preach passionately because it affects me. You should listen passionately. It affects you. That's his burden this morning. The main point of this text is this. Engage God's word. Engage God's word. What does it mean to engage God's word? It's the absolute opposite of dullness of hearing. If dullness of hearing means that the word of God does not affect you, engaging God's word means that it affects you a lot. It moves you. It changes you. It matures you. You see, guys, for most of us, it's not that we don't come to hear God's word. I mean, this is a full house this morning. Thank you for coming. See, for most of us, the problem isn't isn't that we don't come, although for some of you, coming would be a good first start. But, and thank you if this is your first start, it's not that we don't come, but it's that we're not affected by God's word. Do you hear me? There's a dullness of hearing. It means that it, it doesn't move us. And our failure to engage God's word, our failure to be affected by God's word, has a debt negative, debilitating effect on the church. It tears down the church rather than building up the church. So pay attention. Think hard on God's word. Now, what we're going to look at is two things. Failure to engage God's word and faithful to engage God's word. And as we look at these two really main points, we're going to enter into a contrast that God gives us in the text. And so to introduce that context to you, I want to, I want to read verses 12 and 13. And it's going to introduce the context of a child. And this is going to be the first point, failure to engage God's word. So listen to God's word. Listen to God's word. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again 
the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. So friends, if the the command here is engage God's word, be affected by God's word, the first thing we're going to look at is what does failure to engage God's word look like? That first point, failure to engage God's word. What does that look like? Well, it's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture. This word child that we find in verse 13 is exactly the picture God wants to give us of someone that does not engage God's word. And let me see if I can paint it for you. Imagine coming to church next Sunday, seeing a family in the church, the husband, maybe one of those big burly guys in our church. They got a couple of kids, so they normally have a stroller. But you take a look closely, and there's something odd. In the stroller is the man in a diaper drinking a bottle of milk. That's the picture of someone who fails to engage God's word. It's funny. I mean, you can imagine some of the big burly guys in our church right now. It gets even funnier. Won't name names, but just... Consider one of those guys crammed into a stroller with a diaper, drinking a bottle of milk. It is funny, isn't it? It's ridiculous, right? It's sad. It's sad. It's very sad. You see, friends, being a failure to engage God's word It means that you're a child when it comes to God's word. You're a baby. It means you're unskilled in God's word. Look again at verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. It means you're unskilled in God's word. You can't understand God's word. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You should know the basic principles of the oracles of God. What are those basic principles? Many many um, commentators are kind of discussing what that is. It's probably things that are very important. We never move from these things. Things like the righteousness of Christ alone, faith in, uh, in Christ alone. Salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. These are the basic principles. These are like the ABCs of the Christian faith. And we as adults should capture those ABCs. Listen, you're here this morning. You're not back in children's ministry sitting in one of those little desks like this while they're doing a puppet show teaching you the ABCs of Christianity. You're an adult. It would be weird to see you back there. It would be grotesque to see you being wheeled in in a stroller, drinking a bottle with a, with a diaper on. But men, so many of you are that way because you are unskilled in God's word. You don't know the ABCs of Christianity. This is the picture. Those who, who fail to engage God's word are unskilled in God's word. Listen, they live on milk. Milk is easy to digest, but you know what? They're probably not even digesting that because the milk here that he talks about, when it says you need milk, that you live on milk, milk's good. The milk of the word is good, but the point being, you should be adding solid food. But you can't. 
You see, see, the preacher is saying, I want to bring some solid food to you. I'd like to talk to you about Jesus after the order of Melchizedek. Go look at it. It's the last thing he said in 5.10. And it's good, he's going to pick it up in 7.1. But I can't. I've got much to say to you, but I can't. Because you're dull of hearing. You're little babies in a stroller with a bottle in your mouth. And you should be adults, dressed as adults, eating solid food. So those who fail to engage God's word, they're unskilled in God's word. And number two, they're unfruitful in the church. They're unfruitful in the church. Oh, look at verse 12 again. For if by this time you ought to be teachers. Catch that. Now, that word teachers there, friends, that's not like a preacher, a guy that goes to seminary, a guy that gets his master's degree in theology, or he's got a PhD like we have some guys here in the church. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about teachers where it says in the Bible, teach one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Bring, bring admonitions to one another. It, it, it's talking about what you do if you're a daddy to your kids, with your wife, ladies, what we, you do to one another, uh, adult, teens, singles. This is the teaching that's to go on between every member in the church, but if you're unskilled in the word of God, you're going to be unfruitful in the church because you can't do it. When you get together for lunch, you say, I didn't understand the sermon. What, what was Al talking about? Melchizedek who? Is he a linebacker for the Dolphins? And, and you're a baby. And the church is suffering for it, men. You don't think carefully about the Bible and God and theology and doctrine. You'll think carefully, carefully about your fantasy football league. Amazing what I've seen some guys do. Amazing. But give me the doctrine of regeneration. Talk to me about the doctrine of election. Hey, let's talk about how man can have a free will and God be sovereign. You hit that one and you go, where's my bottle? This is hard. Can someone cut the food up for me, please? And, and, and you, know, you know, men, you know what's sad for so many of you? You know who's pushing you in that stroller? It's your wife. And she's really, quite frankly, tired of it. Get out of the stroller, man. Be a man. Open the Bible. Read it. Think about it. Get some good theology books. That's what's going on here. They're failing to engage God's word. They are unfruitful in the church. They are unskilled in the word of God. They're lazy, and it's crept up on them. Listen, bottom line, you want to you you know what it looks like to fail to engage God's word? Well, it's grotesquely, if you think of some of the big guys in our church with a diaper or drinking a bottle, that's pretty weird, okay? But here's what it looks like. It looks like no growth. No growth. It looks like a perpetual infant. In the natural, grotesque. In the spiritual, grotesque. And your lack of growth means lack of growth for the church. And the lack of growth for the church is is not bringing glory to God. That's why the preacher stopped this sermon. He's got a lot to say about Jesus. And he's going to say it. But he's got to deal with their hearts. He's got to get that infection out of their heads and the fluid that's built up in the middle ear. He's got to. You've got to. Guys, 
We should be passionate and knowledgeable about God's word, passionate about the church. We should be skilled in God's word. We should be training young men. We should be the first ones there at home group. We should be the first ones there at youth. We should be leading our families. We should be saying, grab your notebooks, kids. Let's go early. Let's pray. It's God's word. It's Sunday. Is it Sunday yet? Is it time to listen to God's word yet? You're the first one to wake up in the morning, the last one to go to bed at night. You're a servant. You love God. You wake up reading God's word. You wake up praying, and you go to bed reading God's word, and you go to bed praying. Why? To earn your way with God? No. Because God has given you his glorious forgiveness. Jesus came as a man. We just read it. Jesus died for you. Jesus was cursed for you. He's your great high priest. He lives. He lives right now, making intercession for you guys. He's living right now, saying, come, come out. I'll meet you there. I'll come, I'm going to draw you here. I've made a way for you. Come into the Father's presence. I've taken care of the sin issue. Run to me. Get your ear close to me. That's why. Put down the remote. Pick up the word. Engage God's word. Friends, the church should expect more from you. Now, is there hope? Yes. Praise God for hope. There's hope for change and growth if we will but engage God's word through Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Second point, what does it look like to be faithful to engage God's word? What does it look like to be faithful to engage God's word? Let's read verse 14. Here we're going to see this contrast now. We've, we just saw the child, the nephios, and now we're going to see the mature man, this mature man, this telios, this, this mature person. It's a man or woman. So look at verse 14. But, there's the contrast, but solid food is for the mature, the teleos. For those who have the pow- their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So, what, what does it look like to be engaged with God's word? Well, the, the contrast, we're going to stay with the contrast. If it looks, if it looks like it being unskilled in God's word, if you're not engaging God's word, then the first point is, It's going to look like being skilled in God's word if you're engaging God's word. Look, this man, this woman can distinguish good from evil through constant practice because they're skilled in the word. A baby can't. I've got two grandchildren. A little girl that was, granddaughter was born just a week ago. She can't distinguish good from evil. She can't feed herself. But an adult can. That's the difference. One must be trained by God's word, by constant practice, constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is what separates a child from a grown-up, skilled in God's word, discernment that comes not from my thing. Listen, discernment doesn't come from what I think. It doesn't come from a sermon note that I may give you. Discernment comes right here. Now, if you're humble, you get with other men and women. We're going to talk about that in a second and discuss this. But you got to know this. And and discernment will come as that happens. And friends, this is where home groups come into play. Here here is the spiritual training ground where you work the word out in your lives. This is where the grow course, which is going to be this coming Wednesday night, comes into play. This is where singles, singles, today at 1 o'clock, get there. Men, you lead the way. I don't care what playoff game's on. What football game's on. What you want to do. Get there. 
for the sake of the church, for your own sake. Now, recently I became aware of the whole Aikido world, which is a martial art. It's where they do really bad things to people and hurt them. And so I've stayed away from that all my life. But I've got a good friend in the church who loves that kind of stuff. He loves hurting people. No, he doesn't. He used to, and God has changed him. That's Sergio Mora. And, and so he, he, he trains Aikido to, to keep you know, discipline and keep in shape, and, and, and he does it in a place called a dojo. And then I found out that Frank and Susanna Cruz, who I just did their new members interview last week, he uh, trains people in karate. So kind of Aikido, karate, you know, two different you know, things here. But they train at the same dojo different times. And Frank, you know, very humbly said, listen, man, Sergio, Sergio is very skilled in Aikido. And so I started talking about other people about Aikido. And, and here's the key. Aikido, the key is learning techniques over and over and over and over and over again. And then applying those techniques when an attack comes your way. Learning the technique and then having confidence in the technique, trusting the technique, and applying it to the attack when it comes your way. And if you hesitate, you're gone. And that confidence comes in practicing in the dojo with others. Friends, home group, grow, singles, youth is a spiritual dojo. And dude, the, the attack is coming. If you don't think it is, you, ha- you, are, you are not only dull of hearing, you're asleep. You're asleep. It's happening right now on your marriage, in your life, with your kids, in your own soul. Losing jobs, gaining jobs, losing homes, having conflict. But have you learned the word of God that you can apply with confidence because you're in it, you're memorizing it, you're studying it, you're you're, you're talking to others about it. You can't do this in isolation. This, This passage is not in isolation. This whole book is in community. So don't think you can do it in isolation and be a brainiac on your own. You can't. That's not Christianity. It's other men and women. It's the church benefiting from you, learning the word, being skilled in the word, and then be able to have confidence to, to, to counter those attacks. Listen, training in Aikido, it's good. It's good for discipline. It's good for self-defense. But listen, Sergio would be the first to tell you that training in the word of God is far better. It's good in this world and the world to come. See, what the scripture is saying here is that the mature man, the teleos, is the man who trains, catch this, who follows through with the implications of God's word. You can't just listen to it right now. You've got to take notes and follow through with its implications. For you, I'm not going to give you those because you're different than me. What is God saying to you from this? Are you skillful to apply it? You're skillful to apply it. Do you have confidence in God's word? Do you have confidence in God? When you bring these techniques, do you bring them strong and hard? Are you lost? Where's Hebrews? Is it in in the New Testament, hon, or the Old Testament? Your wife's just rolling her eyes. her, Her Bible's tabbed, and she's got notes, and you know. Man, get in the word. God will give you confidence. As you get in the word. Just quickly, guys. Do you know what the word says about your marriage? This is an example. Well, I I got a technique for you. It's called Ephesians 5. It is in the New Testament. Genesis 2 which is quoted in Ephesians 5. That's the Old Testament. And I've got, I've got someone you can listen to that can teach you some stuff, some techniques. 
Gary Ricucci and his wife Betsy. And it just so happened they had a training session on a Saturday about a month ago. And you can go online and download that training session at the Riverside Christian Fellowship website. And you can go home and get in your own personal little dojo at home with your family and get with your wife. And you say, honey, we're going to listen to this message and we're going to ask God to give us the grace to apply it. And then we're going to go to home group and talk with others about it. And we're going to try to understand what its implications are for me and my life. See, this is an example. And and I'm telling you right now, guys, your wife will be thrilled when you get out of the stroller, throw away the bottle, get skilled in God's word. Every couple I counsel, the wife, I wish he would lead me spiritually. Just mark it down. Literally, I don't think I've counseled a couple that hasn't said that. All right. What does it mean to engage God's word? It means not only to be skillful in God's word, but to be fruitful in God's house. Wonderful illustration for you. Jose Prado, the Prados are living with the stubble fields. And and Jose Prado told me that uh, about a week ago, he was upstairs. He was going to come down and see if Jason was going to want to hang out. It was a Monday. It was their day off. And when he came down, he realized that Jason and Judith Ann were listening to a teaching. I think it was the marriage teaching. I can't remember. As a couple. And they were discussing it. And they were getting their hearts ready for, for home group. And I just thought, that's it. That's a man who engages God's word. He's not only skilled in God's word, but he's fruitful in God's house. He gets ready to come and help others with it. That's where I think going to home group, going to singles, going to youth, going early, going ready, uh, parents, Youth, Jose Prado will will publish the message that he's going to preach at the youth. He preached last Friday on Psalm 91. He published that psalm earlier in the week. So you get that email and you open the Bible. And and these are examples of how to get into the dojo, whatever which one you're going to get into, youth, singles, uh, home groups, and and work the word and and understand and practice it. And this, See, you understand, this mature man in verse 14, notice this. He doesn't just know the word, but what does it say? They have their powers of discernment trained. That word trained is an active word by constant practice. See, it's application. And this application means that they're fruitful in the church. Question for you. Are you a blessing to your family in the church? You see, one who engages God's word is a blessing to their family and the church. Are you? Are you? Are you? Now, finally, the third point underneath faithful to engage God's word. You want to know a sign that someone is faithful to engage God's word? They're growing. They're maturing. The very word teleos. He's mature. He's growing. It's that simple. And you know what? When he's growing, his home group's growing. His family's growing. The people around him are growing. Everyone's challenged by his growth. They see him and they say, wow, that guy's growing because he is engaging God's word. I want to grow. Let's go, guys. Let's grow. Why do you think we call the Wednesday night monthly study in Ephesians grow? Mm, Starting to make sense now, right? Because when you read the word and engage the word and engage Ephesians, you're gonna grow. Guaranteed. But if you don't, You won't. And we suffer for it. The church suffers for it. We need you. So, what do we do? Well, we've got to deal 
we've got to deal with the hearing loss. We've got to deal with the hearing loss. And here is where my passion is the greatest. Because the hearing loss comes from sin. Sin gets into me and the infection causes fluid to build up in my middle ear, my spiritual middle ear, and I can't hear like I used to. And here is what is exciting. Men, women, teens, parents, Jesus Christ came to draw me near to God, to take the infection of sin and resolve it on the cross. So that the fluid of unbelief drains out of my ears. There's hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. No need to run from God. Run to him. He knows where you're at. Jesus is the reason. He just finished preaching that. He's going to continue to preach it in seven. This is a wonderful truth. He is your righteousness. He defines you, not your sin, not your laziness, not your unskilled ability in God's word. You're not a baby in a stroller. You're an adult man or woman of God. And Jesus says that. And he's your high priest. And that's your hope. That's your hope. That's your hope. I'm going to leave you with this illustration. When I read the article about hearing loss, they said, so how do you deal with it? What what, what solves hearing loss? Profound article. You ready? You resolve hearing loss by doing the following. Get as close as you can to the one who is speaking. (laughs) Profound. (laughs) Profound. But you know what? I can relate to that. I have hearing loss. And particularly when I'm in a restaurant with the background noise, I can't hear. So I've got to get really close to you. To be able to hear you. You see, friends, sound drops off with distance. God's voice drops off with distance between you and his word. His word becomes a whisper. So get close to him. Read the Bible. Listen, it's electronically. You can listen to it on a podcast. Another thing that happens when you have distance between you and God, background noise becomes a problem. The background noise of your flesh, this world, and Satan. That background noise gets louder, and God's voice gets softer, what do you think is going to happen? It's not rocket science. You know, we laugh about the thing, get closer, but, but we don't do it. Don't you see? This is why Jesus came, that you might draw near. That's the good news. I'm not drawing near to gain his approval. I'm drawing near... Listen, he drew near to me when I was his enemy. He died for me when I was his enemy. How much more will he help me when I'm his friend? And Hebrews 4.14 says that come draw near to God, have confidence to draw near to God through Jesus Christ, your great high priest, to receive mercy and find grace in your time of need. Oh, that's the point. Engage God's word God's engaged you and his son. He's made a way. Listen, this sermon in Hebrews is about making a way. We're going to see in chapter 10, the punchline of this sermon is draw near, draw near with a clean conscience, draw near. But we see this theme all the way through. Draw near, draw near, draw near. Listen, speech becomes distorted with increased distance. You can't make out what God's saying when you get away from his word. So engage his word, draw near in Christ. And finally, speech intelligence drops with distance. We can't understand what God's saying. We haven't engaged this word, draw near in Christ. Jesus has made a way. So put your ear as close as you can to God's mouth. 
right here. God's mouth, your ear, separated by sin, and you should run from a holy God because his wrath is after you. But enter Jesus Christ, the very subject that the preacher is preaching, and the dullness of their hearing isn't letting them hear it. So maybe they are running from God. They don't understand grace. They don't understand the doctrine of justification. So they run from God. They think that they are able to approach God from the good works. But he's saying, listen, draw near. Draw near. Draw near. How can you do that? Just some thoughts. When we publish the Palm Vista Informed and we tell you what we're going to be preaching on, start reading it. Another thought. Bring a notepad to church. Well, bring your Bible to church. Mark it up. Take notes. Do do you know that in the Great Awakening, one of the things that happened in the Great Awakening is people started learning shorthand. In fact, in Scotland... Uh, it, it was crazy, you know, this happened. And also, uh, people started, this is down to 18, 17, 1800s, people started hanging inkwells around their neck. Imagine a huge inkwell, okay? Because back then they used, you know, they tipped the, the pin in the inkwell, and they'd have a pin in their, in their ear. And you would see people marching across the fields to go listen to the preacher. And they had inkwells around their neck and pens in their ear because they wanted to hear God's word. They wanted to engage God's word. They wanted to go home and apply God's word. They wanted to understand God's word. That's my vision. Palm Vista, a place where people love God's word, engage God's word. Come with inkwells around your neck. I know that's a funny picture. Come ready to engage it. Because of Jesus, our great high priest. He won the way for us. It doesn't make sense unless Jesus chose you and gave you life. But if he did, then it does. So now come near. Ah, I'm just burdened. As much from my own life as yours because I get dull of hearing. We all do. That's why I'm preaching this to all of us. We get seasons where the head gets filled with fluid and the infection of sin and the fluid of unbelief affects us. We need each other, guys. I need you on Wednesday night. I need you on Sunday morning. We must be a people of God's word. God's church is at stake. And so God will help us. He will give us mercy and grace if we draw near to him through Jesus Christ. He will enable us to grow if we engage God's word. We must engage God's word to experience God's growth. For that is God's will. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. It, it, it's affected me. And I, I'm grateful, Lord. I, Sad to say there have been times that I've actually preached and the word didn't affect me. That is sad. I've been that baby crammed into a stroller, grotesque, an adult man, dressed as a baby, drinking a bottle of milk. And I'm just glad, Lord, that you're patient with me. And that you're kind with me. I'm thankful that you sent Jesus Christ. Because you knew, apart from that, I am doomed. Your wrath is on me. My greatest concern is your wrath. And your, and your judgment. And you, you, you sent Jesus. My great high priest. Oh God, I want to learn more about him. I can't wait to study about how he is after the order of Melchizedek. I'll admit to you, Father, I, I, don't, I don't remember a lot of that from seminary. And I'm looking forward to studying more about it. Who was Melchizedek? What, what does that mean that he's after the order of Melchizedek? I pray my friends would be excited about it. They'd go home and buy books on Melchizedek. Not before Melchizedek, but because Jesus is compared to him. 
And Father, I thank you that you're giving us grace now and you're drawing me and drawing us. Lord, that it's by grace in the risen Savior, the one who died for me, was exalted to the right hand of Father. And now, Father, I pray to you through Jesus Christ, your Son, in his name, because I have a way, a new and living way, and my sins are dealt with. But, oh, Father, that means, that calls me to engage, engage. Lord, help me engage. Help us engage as a church. We'd be people of your word. Forgive us for our laziness and our negligence. Our slowness to learn. Our dullness of hearing. And thank you that you drew near to us first. And now we respond by drawing near to you, Father. I'm drawing near to you, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. You know, just draw near to the Lord right now in your heart. We're going we're gonna to sing this song. It's called Draw Near to You. And uh, you just cry out to God as we stand and, and sing this song. So let's stand and sing.